We are The Table, and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time, and we want to give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope that this message moves you forward. And it's in Jesus' name that we live, breathe, and have our being. Let every heart that believes say amen, amen, and amen. Give God praise. You may be seated. Give this praise band praise. They are awesome. I love being here at the table. This is my second visit. We were here last week. Um, my beautiful wife, Pastor Sharon Carey, who is my partner in crime, I mean my partner in ministry at the Lighthouse Community Church. She preached last week. She doesn't, you know, usually when I introduce her, I, I say that, you know, she's the best preacher in my house, but she doesn't really like it when I say that, so I'm not going to say that today. Oops. But it's a pleasure to be here. I want to thank uh, Pastor Nate Smith uh, for his ingenious idea of the game of life, and so we have traded places today. This is the uh, updated version of trading places. So... <laughs> So I'm, I'm glad to have an opportunity to be here with you. I enjoyed myself last week, and I, I thank God for the opportunity to, to be back again. So the game of life seems like an interesting game, doesn't it? And, and when you think about the game of life, I know I do. When, when people say the game of life, my first thought is, well, you know, life is not a game at all. But there are many ways to think about it, right? So, I got a question. Are there any Bulls fans in the house? Bulls fans. All right. So, you probably watch Bulls games. Uh-oh. <laughs> Come on. I didn't say Bears. I said Bulls. They win a, they win a few. <laughs> so, if you watch Bulls games, you're probably familiar with Stacey King, right? Okay. So if you're familiar with Stacey King, you know Stacey's famous for a lot of his one-liners during the game. And one of them I like, you know, he's a former Bulls player, and so there are times during the game when, when he just, you know, he's, he's making comments and he's talking about the things the players need to be doing. If they would just do this, you know, I don't know why they don't do that. And, and he's suggesting that they do certain things to help them be successful. And if you're familiar with the game, you've probably watched, or if you've played, or you've watched enough, and you've watched with some intent, what he says a lot of times makes a lot of sense. If they would just do certain things, they would be successful. So when it actually happens, when they actually do something that's good, and they get a basket, or they get on a run or something, Stacy has this famous line where he says, it's a simple game. And, and if you're a basketball fan and you pay attention and you watch, you go, yep, they should have been doing that all night. So you can see what Stacy is saying. But the reality is in the heat of the battle, 
the decisions we make are not always the most sound decisions, even on a basketball court, even in the game of life. The problem is, however, that no matter how simple the game is, it's always made more difficult by your opponent. You see, your opponent isn't just going to stand around and, and let you win the game. He's not just going to be there and you can do whatever you like, and he's not going to put up any opposition because he desires to win the game too. See, Othello is a game like that. Now, see, Othello in the game of life is the game that I chose to use. And I don't know, anybody familiar with the game Othello? There's a few. Good. Let me, let me, it's a simple game. It's a very simple game. So let me kind of show you how it works. The game starts off with four pieces on the board. Two black, two white. And it's a simple game to play. But it's a very difficult game to win. So as Othello, as you play Othello, you realize that, that, that you put in a piece, you're looking for an anchor piece. So if you look at that, all the way on the right side, you see those three black pieces. Well, these white pieces here are kind of lined up with that. So as a player, and I'm, gonna, I'm playing the black pieces, I'm looking to, for a place where I can put down my black piece. And every place I put a black piece, if, I, if there's a black piece on the other end, whatever's in between, I get to take over. They become my pieces. So right here on the bottom, I can put a piece, and these four pieces across become mine. And that's basically all it is to the game. And that's how the game goes all the way through. But it's important for you to realize where you put your anchor piece, because just putting a piece down so you can turn over the most pieces may not be the best strategy. So Othello is a simple game. But here's the funny thing about simple games. They are sometimes extremely difficult to win. Kind of like life. When we think about living life and all of the work it takes, all of the trials, the fun, the sad, the hard, the easy, the successes, the failures. Do you ever wonder why it has to be so hard? Well, the reality is it's not. At least it wasn't meant to be. See, God created life to be pretty simple. See, we were created to be fully dependent on him. We were created to be loved and to love. We were created to live life and never be in need because all of our needs would be provided by our creator. He created life. He created us to be in his image. Now, that's not a physical image, but an image of his character. Basically, God's character is love, righteousness, and the ability to reason. 
So after creating life, after creating us, God gave a few simple rules. So let's take a look at Genesis in the first chapter, verse 28. Genesis 1, verse 28, and it reads, Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in other words, reproduce and subdue the earth. Rule over everything. Take dominion over everything that lives. Everything that lives. And he put them in the garden and said, here you go. I have provided right here everything that you will ever need. And you're in charge of all of it. You have dominion. There is no one higher than you accept me. That's it. That's the game of life. It's a simple game. Oh, and one other thing he said, don't eat from that tree that happens to be in the middle of the garden. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you ever sit back and think, Man, I wish they'd never touched that tree. So now let me break this last part down for you into more modern terms. He says, don't be disobedient because if you are disobedient, it's going to seem much more difficult for you to be connected to me. You see, because your disobedience will create obstacles. Disobedience makes it more difficult for you to get to get and hold on to all the things that I've promised you, all the things that are here for you, disobedience puts space between us and God. Disobedience changes. Disobedience affects our ability to execute God's plan for our lives. So at the beginning, life was simple. But as I mentioned earlier, any game, no matter how simple, becomes much more difficult to win when there is an opponent. So the opponent, Satan, shows up to try to enter the game as an adversary, as an enemy. Now the reality is his showing up should not have made much of a difference at all. It should not have mattered because God gave Adam and Eve the cheat code for the game. Because, you see, they were connected to him. And as long as they were connected to him, there was no way to lose unless they simply chose to lose. God told them to take dominion over everything. So that meant the serpent too. Everything that lives, they had dominion over. You see, God was and is the cheat code for the game of life. 
So when the serpent showed up, all they needed to do was what God said. Take dominion. Be obedient. Don't eat from the tree. But instead of taking dominion, they gave it away. So while the game itself is simple, it has become harder to win because we've allowed an opponent in the game. But here is the important thing to remember. Satan is going to keep showing up. See, when he shows up, no matter what form he comes, we have to understand that we need to take dominion. He may show up in a thought or a suggestion. He may show up in a neighbor down the street. He may show up in somebody you really like or care about. He may show up in a sickness or an illness. But if we make the effort to stay connected to our creator, if we choose to be anchored to his love, to his righteousness, to his ability to reason, we'll recognize the adversary no matter what, faint, what form he comes in. It does not matter because we'll know He's there. But you got to know he won't stop coming. He showed up to tempt Adam and Eve. He's going to show up to tempt you and me. Heck, he even showed up to tempt Jesus. And he knew who Jesus was. Let's look at Luke 4. We're going to read 3 through 13. We're going to read the whole passage. Luke 4. Verses 3 through 13. And it reads, The devil said to him, him being Jesus, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Now, this is the point where I want Jesus to say, yeah, dude, I know you got the stuff. My dad gave it to you, and it's only on loan. It don't, you don't own nothing. So go away. But he didn't say that. He said, Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. See, he came after Jesus. He wasn't done with Adam and Eve, and he wasn't done with all of the other fathers and mothers in the Old Testament. He came after Jesus. And, and, and it's interesting because he, he asked the question, well, if you are, he knew. But he had to try because that's his nature. He came after Jesus the same way he came in Genesis, but Jesus was more prepared. Are you prepared? 
See, if you stay connected, then you'll be prepared. If you, if you spend time in his word, you'll be prepared. If you realize that the Holy Spirit is with you, you will be prepared. See, even in his humanity, Jesus was strong enough to stick to the game plan. That's part of the reason he came. The part of the reason he came was so that you and I would be able to look at him and realize that we in our humanity are strong enough because God is enough. That in our humanity, it can be done. The devil has no power that we don't give him. You see, no matter what comes, we have authority. We simply need to exercise our authority given by God and reiterate it through the presence, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus put the word on Satan. And Satan left. Satan understands the authority of God. He also understands that when we take dominion and assert our authority, he can't win. What he's counting on is that we don't understand. He's counting on us being forgetful about who we are in Christ and whose we are, who created us. He's counting on us being caught up and distracted by issues and events in the world or even in our homes. He's counting on us to watch all the bouncing balls of our lives and neglect to find our anchor in Jesus Christ. He's counting on us to not connect with where our strength comes from. In verse 13, he says, until a more opportune time, he's going to keep coming. He's going to keep trying you. No matter how many times you turn him away, he's going to come back. Because, yeah, you, you, you got through the situation yesterday. But what about next week? I'm going to come back next week when, when things start to go a little bit sideways in your life. I'm going to find out how committed you are next week. Oh, when next week went okay, how about next month? And if it doesn't work when I come after you, you got kids. He, he, he doesn't give up. He's coming so now Satan is a very dangerous opponent. And what makes him dangerous more than anything else is because he really doesn't care about winning. He doesn't. He could care less about winning because he understands the position he's in. Do we understand the position he's in? See, he understands that his fate was sealed when he got kicked out of heaven. That's why he was crawling around in the garden pretending to be a snake so that he could get all up in Eve's business. He doesn't care about winning. He just doesn't want you to win. He has no delusions of grandeur. He knows his destination is the lake of fire. He just wants to take you with him. He's betting that if he's resilient enough, will buy into the deception that he actually has power. You see, when the opponent was allowed into the game, 
It created distance. It created separation between God and his creation. So now instead of existing eternally in his presence, which is the way it was intended, we now have to choose to be eternally in his presence. That seems simple enough, right? Just choose. The problem is that the world has been manipulated to the point that there are so many choices and options to do so many different things. Many of those choices and many of those options look great and the world makes them seem like really good choices because they seem to fit who we think we are and who we think we want to be. The reality is most of them only fit because we forget who we truly belong to and who we were created to be. We were created to love the way God loves. We were created to be in loving relationships. We were created to hate. That didn't come from heaven. We were formed in his righteousness so that when pressed with choices, we would do the right thing, no matter what the world around us says or does. That's who we are. Everything else is worldly deception. Fool's gold, shiny things. The world wants you to go after shiny things that look good instead of holding on to the one that is good. You see, what I like about Othello is that when you need things to change, you simply have to find the right place to put your disc. And there may be several options. The best option is not always the one that allows you to turn over the most other discs. You see, what's important is that you are lined up with a disc that has a solid foundation on the other side. One that, is going, that isn't going to be easily flipped by what's going on around it. Kind of like the Holy Spirit. The one thing that is awesome about God is that he's always there. That's why Jesus came. That's why Holy Spirit was left here with us so that we could always feel the presence of God, that we always have a way to connect. No matter what's going on in the world, you can always find God as long as you can stay lined up or anchored to the spirit that is within you. As long as I can find my anchor, the God in me, and place myself where he leads me, where he sends me, where he takes me, where he tells me to place my foot, things will turn in my favor. But I got to find my anchor in God. I want to take a quick look at, at Deuteronomy 30. In this chapter, God is telling his people, return to me. Because you know the Old Testament, they, they had left him. They had went in all different directions. They were worshiping other gods. They were doing all manner of foolishness. They were disobedient 
They were not following God's commands. And he's saying, return to me. Obey my commands no matter where you are. And you will be restored. So in Deuteronomy 30, 11, the 11th verse says, now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. In other words, God is telling his people, it's a simple game. You see, staying connected to the Father requires a few things from us. Nothing difficult at all. Number one is seek him in prayer. Don't just pray because you need stuff. That's not the time to go to God. At least that shouldn't be the only time you go to God. It shouldn't be the first time you go to God. You need to seek God. Pray for the purpose of building relationship. Because when we build relationship with him, all of the stuff that we think we need we may all of a sudden determine and decide we don't really need that stuff because in his presence, what you desire changes. The other thing we need to do is persevere in our pursuit of him. See, you have to be, you have to have perseverance because the world will give you many other things to do and a boatload of reasons to do them. But none of it will give you the satisfaction or the eternal reward that you get from running after your creator, the one who loves you unconditionally, the one who is always there no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what it looks like around you. The one who has grace and mercy just for you. You just have to choose every day. Deuteronomy 30, I want to read 15 through 20. And it reads, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you. And then we skip down to verse 19. And 19 and 20 says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. See, that's powerful. Because that's like being given a one-question entrance exam to the one place in the world that you would love and you really want to go. And then God comes by and drops off the answer to the question. What an awesome God we serve. You see, the Holy Spirit is your anchor. 
the one that makes it possible for you to stay connected to the image you are pursuing, the godly image that you were created to be. We should be pursuing that image. All we have to do is walk in the dominion that was given to us in the beginning. And if we find our anchor, no matter what's going on around us, we can do exactly that. Then we'll reach the promised land. We'll reach the heights that God is taking us to. We'll be able to command and have dominion over the world around us. No matter what the world thinks it can do to us, it won't be able to because we are connected to the God we serve. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it looks like, no matter how difficult life seems, it's a simple game. The world may seem to be closing in on every side. You may feel like you just can't get ahead. But if you can't find, but if you can just find your anchor, see, you have to know that no matter what, God's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Says that in his word. He's not going anywhere. And so it's his desire to direct you, but you have to be directable. The Spirit will tell you where to go. The Spirit will tell you what to do. When you find yourself where God puts you, then things start to change in your life. Find your anchor in the Spirit within, and you'll understand that your opponent has no more moves. He's out of moves. And, that, and that's the point you get sometimes in the game of Othello. You can get to a point where things look really, really bad, where it doesn't seem like you have a chance or a shot, but your opponent is out of moves. There's nothing else he can do. And even if the only thing that changes for you is your outlook, your perspective, because you have anchored yourself in God. Sometimes your perspective changes. And sometimes the only thing we need to be able to move forward in life, to get better in life, is to see things from a new perspective, from an eternal perspective. If that's all that changes, you'll find your spirits being lifted. When you anchor yourself in the true and living God, when you love, when you take dominion, when you exercise your authority and take your rightful place in the kingdom of God, you win. There's not a foe that can beat you because the only foe that matters is the one that's already defeated. Because you are fighting a defeated foe. You see, it really is a simple game. It's a simple game, but it's also a long game. You say you couldn't win it yesterday, and you're not going to be able to win it today. And tomorrow, you're not going to be able to win it either. But if you stay anchored, if you stay connected, you win in the end. It's a game that takes a lifetime. 
But don't be discouraged. Because in the end, you just have to choose to win. Stay connected. Find your anchor. And when you get anchored, it doesn't matter what the world is doing. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You're going to be the winner. Your opponent doesn't want to win. But the only way he can keep you from winning is if you choose to lose. Father, we give you praise. We thank you, Lord God, that you are always a blessing. We thank you for the word that comes forth from you. That all we have to do, Lord God, is surrender ourselves to what you would have for us, to what you would have for us to do. To be in the place, Lord God, where you put us and find ourselves anchored to your strength, anchored to your love, anchored to your dominion. And as long as we are anchored and we put ourselves where you tell us, we'll see the change. Sometimes, God, the change is going to be in us first. But when we change, we can be sure that things around us will change as well. We thank you for the blessing of your word. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that your word has fallen into fertile soil and that it will grow into amazing fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. If this message challenged you and moved you forward, Personally or in faith, we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today. And if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at the table, head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information.